Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Welcome to Passion's Trouble Tuesdays, the night that I reserve to answer your questions all evening long. So if you have a question about love, sex, your relationship, something you want to talk out, then uh, by all means, text me here at 514-800. You can also call in at 514-790-0800. And a lot of people email me as well, which you can do that anytime to Lori at drlaurie.com. Uh, my boyfriend and I have been dating for almost three years. It's always been extremely hard for me to get turned on with my extremely low sex drive and beyond fingering, I feel nothing going on down there. He has a regular size penis, but I just feel like he isn't hitting the right spots. Are there angles at, at which I can feel pleasure? If so, which ones? So frankly, you're probably no different than 75% of women. Most women need direct clitoral stimulation to orgasm, which doesn't really happen all that often with, uh, with intercourse. Um, it's not just about hitting the right spots. It's about get making sure that the clitoris gets some action even during, uh, during intercourse. So my suggestion is you spend more time on foreplay that involves clitoral stimulation. I'm talking about, uh, you know, hand or uh, mouth to, to clitoris in order for that arousal to happen. So get getting yourself good and aroused during foreplay. During intercourse, you can stimulate your own clitoris or have your partner do it, but you have to experiment with positions that give you easy access uh, to the clitoris. So we're talking about um, uh, maybe doggy style or somewhere where your hands are, are free or are able to reach or where your partner can as well. Another approach that you can uh, work on is to find a position where you can grind your pubic area into your partners and the best position for that would be woman on top um, where you can have control over how much grinding goes on um, if this doesn't work don't worry so much about it there's nothing there's nothing wrong with you just make sure that your partner focuses on giving you pleasure in all the other ways that you that you get the pleasure like a lot of women most women will not orgasm through just through intercourse. So it's not because there's something wrong with you inside of you that, or that he's not getting the right spot. It's just, that's just the way it is physiologically. There have been studies done to show that those women who can orgasm through intercourse, there's, they have a physiological, uh, difference. The, um, the distance between the clitoris and the vaginal opening is shorter in those women, which is like one of the first studies that I've seen that looks at structurally, like why is this happening? So clearly, um, there is something, uh, that's structurally making it difficult for women to have that. Okay, this is a email. Obviously, this is quite embarrassing, writes the person, but I rather seek help from a professional instead of dealing with this on my own and suffer of something. I was playing with some of my toys and I bought a new one, a ball of the size of a regular ping pong ball. What was weird to me was the fact that it didn't come with a, with a, a string or anything. Anyway, it's stuck in there. 
it it's soft and not that big, but I'm really scared if it doesn't come out in my next evacuation. I really need some help. Excuse me for my stupidity and thank you for your attention. So no question is stupid, by the way. No judgment, no stupid. Um, now, I don't know if this is coming from a, a woman or a man, and I don't know which orifice it got stuck in. So I'm just going to go with the words here. You say, if it doesn't come out in my next evacuation, I'm assuming we evacuate by pooping. So you, I'm going to assume that it's, let's just say it's stuck in, in the anus. You cannot put objects in your rectum that do not have a base. It will get sucked up in there. Okay. Uh, the, the sphincter muscle does that. And this is why if you look for sex toys, for uh, like anal sex toys, they all have a base, never mind a string, but a base that so it doesn't get uh, sucked into into there. Um, if it got stuck in your um, vagina, you're going to want to get that out. So either try to stick your finger in there and pull it out, or you'll have to go to the gynecologist to get it out because it, it, it will get stuck it may get stuck uh in there it's like a, a tampon for example that has no string right so if you can't if your finger isn't long enough to get to get to it that will be um you know a problem so there's definitely a risk that anything you put up into your rectum for whatever play you want can be sucked up into it so you cannot if it does not come out like with your next poop with your next bowel movement uh you're gonna have to have it removed by uh, a doctor uh quickly because you could develop some kind of infection um i'll never forget going attending a conference this was a sex conference this was years and years ago but it's so marked me like it it just so had an impact on me it was an emergency room physician who um did a slideshow of objects he extracted from people's rectums the things that people put up there for sexual pleasure like there were huge vegetables that went on, went in and then they got stuck in there and then they fell apart in there like there was a light bulb, there was a Coke bottles, I mean, all kinds of things. Please do not put anything in there that doesn't belong. If you want to, to engage in sex play, and there's nothing wrong with that, in anal sex play, there's nothing wrong with that, get proper toys that are made for anal play. Okay? Important. All right, next question. I am 18 and haven't had sex yet. But I'm with this girl, but I'm scared to have sex because I'm not circumcised and I can't pull my skin over my tip. Is that a problem? Is there a way to fix that or do something about it? Or is it normal to have sex like that? So I'm not clear what this, what you're meaning. I'm just, let me just think for a second. I think what you're saying is, are you asking are you saying that you can't pull the skin, the foreskin over the head of the penis? I'm assuming you mean when it's erect. That's normal. 
With an erection, an uncircumcised penis, the foreskin retracts and exposes the head of the penis. So what you will notice is that the foreskin looks like a little bunched up uh, in there. There's nothing to be fixed here, uh, at least from what you're telling me right here. Uh, Let's see. I have been masturbating while looking at ladies' breasts since I was young, and I have lots of sperm coming out of my penis. Do you know why it's a lot of sperm and why it's still coming after jerking off? I'm noticing that I can't help but think that these are from young people. So young people who have had very, uh, not much sex education, especially when it comes to biology and, and things like that. So you're asking, first of all, it's completely normal to experience the expulsion of ejaculate or sperm with masturbation. Okay, usually happens around the age of 12 years old, around puberty, 12, 13, sometimes younger, sometimes older. Uh, So, and it is perfectly normal that you will notice a little bit more coming out of your penis after the, uh, the orgasm. After you urinate though, it will flush it out and there won't be any more. So, uh, coming up, somebody wants to know what are some diseases or issues with uh, anal sex. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Answering your questions about love, sex, and relations tonight on this Trouble Tuesdays. Oh, and this uh, texture writes in for this young man who wrote in. Ah, to be young. His foreskin not going over penis? It will when erect. And a virgin? Better get ready for the best 15 seconds of his life. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I should add, the first time uh, you have intercourse or the first time you're with a partner you may ejaculate really quickly, just uh, just saying, and that would be perfectly normal. So don't get all caught up in in this in your head, thinking there's something uh, there's something wrong. I think every man will tell you that uh, that happens uh, frequently at the fir- even the first time with a new uh, a new partner. So nothing to really uh, worry about. But the more you worry about it, the more it will probably happen. Unfortunately. Uh, respected doctor, I'm very concerned and curious about the diseases or problems we may get after having anal sex. I'm very much into anal sex, but with women only. I'm not a gay at all. So I would like you to help me out in this regard and tell me if there's any danger or harm or anything regarding this kind of sex. So it has nothing to do with being gay. Just want to point that out right away. Um, the only issue Anal sex is fine if you have to, you know, obviously two consenting adults, your partner is uh, is willing and, and relaxed, but it doesn't have the same elasticity that a vagina has. So it is more prone to what we call anal fissures, so little tiny, tiny little cuts uh, that can happen. And obviously if there's little cuts, it's a great opening for diseases to uh, crawl in there. So... Uh, you would want to make sure that uh, you are practicing safe sex. So using a condom, you want to make sure that there's always enough lubricant and, uh, and that you have a, very, a, a, a willing, uh, eagerly willing uh, participant as well. So th- that's really what you have to be um, more than anything uh, concerned about. But practicing anal sex, is no, there's no 
harm in it for the recipient or the or the the uh, the penetrator, if you will. I'm 22 uh, years old. You are, for girls like me, a blessing of sorts. Oh, that's sweet. Anyway, to go straight to the point, I squirt, in brackets ejaculate with a question mark, a lot with my boyfriend, but it doesn't feel like an orgasm. It doesn't resemble at all the feeling I get when I masturbate, which I know for sure is an orgasm. Is it possible to squirt and not come? Is it possible it's an orgasm but not as intense? I just feel kind of liberated. I hope I don't sound inappropriate. Um, anyway, I wanted you to know that I really appreciate your work. Thank you so much. That, that means a lot to me. So first of all, orgasms can feel um, very different. So this, in one person, you can have, uh, you know, this day you have this orgasm, feels this way. Another time could be another way. Or with masturbation could feel one way, with intercourse could feel another way. Uh, so they're not always uh, all um, all equal. Uh, the fact when you say you feel liberated, there's a, se- a a feeling of goodness, like there's a sensation of release of goodness. That's also part of the orgasm experience. I think you're just comparing maybe the clitoral um, orgasm or the orgasm you get through with self with self-pleasure than when you have with a partner, which may feel very different. So for, for example, um, with female ejaculation, it's very much related to, for most women, uh, the um, stimulation of the, what what we used to know as the G-spot, that area anyway, about two inches in the vagina on the outer wall, stimulation of of that area um, stimulates actually the internal the internal structure of the clitoris that, that we know there's these glands, uh, in that internal structure, which get stimulated. And for some women, it's right there for others, maybe not, not so much or not so close to the wall. Um, but for those women, they, they have said that they can experience female ejaculation during that kind of stimulation, but it's, it's very different. So it's a different type of stimulation, which is why you probably feel just, uh, very differently. So nothing, nothing that, uh, you need to really concern yourself with, but it's a good question. And I'm glad you're asking questions. Uh, 514-800, if you have a question for me or a situation in your relationship, you want to talk it out or you want to put in your two cents, you want to help out somebody or I missed something uh, when answering a question, then I would love you to, uh, uh, to let me know and, and, and write in at 514-800. Of course, you know, you can always uh, call into if you have a question to 514-790-0800 and if you prefer to email me you can do that to laurie at drlaurie.com if you do it tonight I may not uh, I'll check but I may not be able to get to your questions tonight you'll have to tune in at the beginning of every each show where I answer some uh, some questions as well Um, I'm looking for help for my relationship. My partner and I are in our 30s. Uh, We're not married, um, but we do have a child together. When I look at my child, it's hard to contain my happiness. Unfortunately, it's not the same feeling when I look at my partner. She is not the same ever since our child was born. It feels like we live two different lives in the same house. 
Um, actually, it feels like I have a baby with a roommate. We have zero conversation, zero intimacy, zero anything. I like to communicate as much as I can, lay everything out in the open and discuss honest feelings. My partner is a silent person, does not discuss feelings and is able to not say a word after being spoken to or asked a question. She decided many times that our relationship was over and that she didn't love me anymore. I had actually accepted that decision twice in the near past, but decided to stay once again. It is very confusing. We are not going anywhere quick. It is really depressing. Uh, we can't find any time to do anything or make any plan as a family. I've always been a really sexual person and had a lot of fun times with my partner when we started seeing each other. Now, after years of not only no sex, but no love, no look in the eyes, no acknowledgement that I exist, I am in a huge sexual depression and probably a mental depression as well. I cannot speak for my partner for the way my partner feels because I do not know. One thing I do know is that we both agree that we need help, but do not know where to look. Can you please point us in the right direction? You definitely, definitely need help. You're right. Uh, this is a, a relationship that has gone uh, probably a long time now uh, with, uh, with some issues. I mean, if you can't feel any connection at all and you have trouble even communicating at the most basic things, uh, you're going to need some serious uh, counseling. So you've got to get yourself into marriage counseling. You, um, If you email me back, I can send you some names of some marriage counseling. I personally, I do marriage counseling as well, couple counseling. Um, you could co uh, contact the Argyle Institute. Uh, they offer uh, therapy on a sliding scale basis. So if you, uh, if you don't have insurance, for example, that covers a, a large chunk of it, or you can always try there. It's hard, really difficult, unfortunately, to get into uh, the system, into our healthcare system to see a psychologist or see somebody. It's a long waiting list and I don't think this can wait. It's, uh, you know, I always, I always say going to counseling is cheaper than going to a lawyer in the end. So if you can avoid going down that path, uh, then try and see if you can salvage this, uh, this relationship and what needs to be worked on. But at least if you have somebody else in the room there that can bring up the issues, you will be forced to communicate about it and at least get it all out there to see like, what does your partner want right now? I'm not getting, and you don't even have the sense. You don't even know how she feels. You don't even know what she wants only what she's told you in the past, but has it gotten any better? No. So, you know, somebody who says, well, I don't love you anymore. They don't suddenly just start loving you again. So we have to figure out, does she really mean that? Is, is she just feeling resentful of certain things? Like what is happening here that needs to be, uh, needs to be addressed. So yes, get into counseling ASAP. Um, I'm a 25 year old male and have sex probably every six months. I'm not in a relationship. The last few times I've had sex with somebody, I'm never able to orgasm. I'm not circumcised. I don't know if it's because I don't feel it as much with my foreskin or what. I also masturbate and at times to force and speed at which I do is way beyond the level at which I can thrust. <laughs> exactly. So maybe I got too used to it and sex no longer does it like masturbation. I hope I'm wrong. What are your thoughts? No, uh, you're right on the money there. 
It has nothing to do with being circumcised or uncircumcised, by the way. That, that's, uh, that, that's a non-issue for that. Um, but it definitely has something to do with how much you got used to your own hand. You're only having sex with a partner every, uh, every six months. I'm assuming you've got six months worth of masturbation in between, depending on how often, and are you using a lot of porn with that and what kind of stimulation. So yes, it's very possible to get used to one form of stimulation because you're right, you can't thrust that fast and you can't apply the exact same pressure. You're not going to feel the exact same pressure in a, in an orifice than you would, uh, with your own hand. So that is definitely, um, a part of it. The only thing, I mean, what you can do is when you get into a relationship, so something that is not just a, a, a casual hookup or, or what have you, then when you do get into a relationship, I would say hold off on your masturbation practices. Like stop masturbating for a while, stop watching uh, porn and getting that the, the visual stimulation and get used to uh, a different form of stimulation with a partner. It may not happen right away, but over time it will. Your body will get will readjust and will get used to another, uh, another form of... Um, of stimulation. So very, very, uh, important. All right. Coming up, I'm going to have a question to answer about, uh, transgenderism that's, uh, coming up next. And of course you can text me, email me, call me 514-800 to text in your questions about love, sex, and relationships. I'm here till 11 o'clock answering all of your questions. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. You have uh, some time to get your questions answered tonight, 514-800, to send them in. You can also call in, 514-790-0800, and you can email me to lori at drlori.com. Uh, this uh, person writes in, I have a question for you on transgender people. Do transsexual people who undergo sex change sometimes miss their old sex and want to go back to their original sex? Um, gender is really the word. I asked this because we were discussing this at work during a lunch break. So I guess this is water cooler talk. Um, in my career, I used to work for years, for 15 years, I ran uh, groups, uh, support groups for people who were transitioning. And in that 15 year span, I think I only on two occasions uh, met with uh, people who had regretted their choice and one who even was going to try to have uh, to, be, to, to go back, like surgery to go back. Now remember that it's, if you, you can't get it back, right? It's like when you go through all of these uh, surgeries, it's very difficult, but you can live your life in whatever uh, gender you choose, of course. So m this is why um, you don't just, you know, go through uh, life transforming and, and like these operations willy-nilly. Like there are protocols in place. You have uh, visits with a psychologist and psychiatrist and medical doctors. You're followed. 
there's standards of care that exist. There's, uh, you know, usually doctors, anybody performing this kind of surgery wants to know that you've been living in the role uh, for a, a few years. You would have been on hormones for a while. You would have a psychological follow-up. So everything is done pretty much like these are in place because you don't want to get to a point where somebody says I made a mistake uh you know so obviously it can't guarantee it for everybody but for the most part I would say that um people who go through the transition are actually very happy with it for the most part but I don't have statistics for you unfortunately a passion poet weighs in. Most of us love sex. We all love the high, but we all can be greedy. No matter how hard we try, practice safe sex. Advice for young and old. Before going into battle, put a helmet on your soldier. Take advice from Dr. Lori. She is the passion queen. No matter what your age, over 30 or just a teen. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's a, another question. I heard you talk today about alcohol and sex. So I was on uh, with Natasha Hall earlier uh, today. Can you please repeat what you said so my husband can hear it? He listens every night. So really what we were talking about was the impact. She was bringing it up because it's dry January. I guess January is a month where you try to stay off all, all alcohol. And um, so she was asking me about the impact of alcohol on one's sexuality, which is very interesting because a small amount of alcohol is a disinhibitor. Like we know that alcohol just, uh, uh, you know, brings down your defenses, is a disinhibitor, makes you more social, etc. So, and it can be a, an aphrodisiac in, in small amounts, but higher levels have the opposite effect. Now, what's low, what's high in terms of amount that differs per individual. But if you get to a point where you're a little loopy, then uh, that would probably be on the uh, too much side, right? But when you have too much alcohol, it actually affects your blood vessels. So it makes it more difficult for the blood to flow to the genitals. So what ends up happening for women is they don't get aroused and for men, they don't get an erection. So it can cause um, erectile dysfunction. Even if you feel like it, because there's an interplay between what goes on in your brain and what goes on uh, in your body, etc. So you might feel in the mood, but um, the signal from the brain to the body that says I'm aroused isn't functioning when you have a lot of alcohol. So, um, but again, you know, when you talk about how much is too much, the general rule is if you're feeling drunk, then, uh, that's probably going to hinder the, um, arousal. It's not going to help it. It's going to hinder it. So I think that's an, important to, to know. And there have been studies uh, to show, to show that over time, uh, alcoholism is also, you know, can, can certainly cause long-term, um, erectile, uh, dysfunction. So it, it can be problematic. So if there's anything going on, try the dry January for, it's a, it's a good challenge for people who feel they, uh, they need their alcohol, right? Shouldn't be a need. So just saying. 
Uh, all right. I took a SAST and I have a score of 10. Now, I'm just going to finish reading it and I'll tell you what it is. Could you please advise me what to do? I can't keep control over my sexual thoughts. And the second question is, is hair thinning and masturbation related? That is, if you masturbate without orgasm, is there a hair loss? I've lost my hair and my hairline is receding. So, the SAST, I'm assuming, is one of the sexual addiction scales. So, I don't know that particular scale that you are referring to. I'd have to check, but nonetheless... Uh, you're saying that you can't keep control over your sexual thoughts. Now, thoughts are thoughts. It's what you do about the thoughts. Thoughts are meaningless unless you put meaning to those thoughts, right? So, um, what are those? What are those sexual thoughts? Do they cause you to have embarrassing? Uh, erections at the same time? Like, uh, do you feel that you can't uh, concentrate on schoolwork or you can't get through your job at all? Like, what is happening? What, what is actually happening in real life? Um, and if, if, the, if you are troubled by this, then yes, seeing a therapist who uh, can, who works with, uh, sexual compulsive disorder that, that could be helpful, but understand that you can have many sexual thoughts when you just have high libido. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have an addiction just because you are, you have a high libido. And to me, you sound a little young here. So, um, it would be perfectly normal to have lots of sexual thoughts. Can you control your behavior? Can you control impulses? That would worry me a whole lot more. And as for your second question, uh, can masturbation with not uh, with no ejaculation cause the thinning of hair? I have never heard of this. I've not heard that it causes thinning. Um, I think if that was the case, a lot of men would be bald, and I don't think that that's the cause of men's baldness or receding, receding hairlines. So, um, the answer would be, uh, no to that one. Uh, question. When I was in my twenties, when I had one too many, I could get erect, but hard to ejaculate. How much, much now, much, much older, one too many cannot get erect. So I don't drink at all. And you're right. It, it changes with time, right? So it, it affects the arousal. So it, it could prolong, exactly, it could make you have difficulty with ejaculation or not getting an erection um, at all, kind of have either of those impacts. Uh, dear Dr. Lori, heard your comments on a CJD regarding non-binary, so I don't remember when that was, but thanks so much. I guess I am one of the fortunate ones. I am just me and content to be as I am. Learned a few important distinctions. Non-binary is not the same as androgynous, and gender and sexuality are separate entities. Thanks again. Good. I'm glad that uh, I was able to help out and clarify uh, some things. So coming up, somebody wants to know how therapy sessions work. So maybe I'll give you a little rundown of what therapy is, what therapy based on, uh, like if you have a sexual problem, 
what that's all about and uh, I'll tell you what it is not what it is and what it is not Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800 Last few minutes to get uh, your questions answered here at 514-800. Texter, this is actually by email. Um, I have a question. How does your therapy sessions work as I have numerous psychological issues related to relationships and whatnot? So I'm bringing this up now uh, simply because I, I get this question quite a bit with people who are, who call me or email me and, and they want to know like what happens in, in therapy. And oftentimes, especially if it's a sex issue, I like to get their idea of what they, what they're looking for and what exactly they think, because I have had, uh, instances where, um, people have actually think that if you go see a sex therapist or you see someone who specializes in this area, that they're going to do something with you. (laughs) Okay. Not that never happens. That is not what therapy is about. Uh, Psychotherapy, whether you're dealing with a a sexual issue or any other issue is talk therapy. Okay. We talk. I want you to think of it as a person who comes into the office. This is my analogy, but they, they have a box of uh, a thousand piece puzzle and they have no idea where all the, they know some pieces, but they have a hard time putting it together and they throw the pieces down and they say, help me make this piece, this puzzle. And that's what we do together. We put the pieces of the puzzle, uh, together and this allows for clarity. And when you have clarity on your life, it's, it just, it, it's a healing process. Okay. Uh, the first step in any, um, in any uh, therapy is the assessment. So that's the, the, the first step is where you find out, okay, what's the problem and, um, what are, what may be some of the underlying causes of, of the problem. Um, sometimes if people come in with a sex issue, it's often the symptom of something else going on. So it's the job of the therapist to, kind of discover like what, what does this do to? So for some people have uh, a more serious mental health issue like depression that's going on. So that would be, uh, we would look for, um, and assess or diagnose and see what, what the underlying issue is so that we know how to treat it. Right. Uh, and treating it, there are many, many different approaches to treating all kinds of problems and every therapist kind of practices their own, uh, they're trained in, in various, uh, various approaches. So if you're shopping around for a therapist, you can have an initial like phone call with them, see if you like the vibe, um, find out what their approach is. If they find out if they work in this, in the area of, of the issue. So if you know you're suffering from anxiety, for example, you ask them, do you treat anxiety? If it's a sexual issue, you ask them, uh, do you treat sexual issues and things like that? So you're the consumer and it's okay for you to shop around to find somebody that works for you. We all have different approaches. Not everybody is going to like everybody's approach. So like my approach, for example, is far more solution focused. So I do a lot of talking in therapy. 
Um, but there are some therapists that do very little talking. So you would need to know what, um, what approach you would need. Uh, this texture writes in, I can understand that people might think sex therapists have more hands-on approach if someone has seen the movie, The Sessions. You're right, except she wasn't a sex therapist. She was a sex surrogate. And there is a distinction, and we should make that distinction, but sex surrogacy is not legal in Canada. It's legal in uh, in New York and California, I believe. I don't know if there are other states that have legalized it. But in those states, there there is a profession called sex surrogacy. And basically what they... They have a lot of knowledge, so they're not prostitutes. They they actually help individuals hands-on who don't have partners or who, whether they're too shy or they haven't had experience or whether they have a specific problem that they want to deal with and not with their partner, but before they get a partner or things like that, um, that to help them, like to do the hands-on practice, practice thing. So with me, I send people home with exercises to do with them and with their partner or them alone or, or what have you. So sex surrogates, like sometimes I wish they would be available here because they're very handy, uh, to have to work in conjunction with therapists because they tend to have compassion and, and they, they are there to help. They're not just there to get you off as quickly as possible so that they, uh, they go home and, 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 you know, they just make the money and that's it, right? That's their main, uh, motivation, but not for sex surrogates. So no, it's unfortunately not legal here. Wish it were actually, but, but we do not do that. Just so just want to put that out there. We do not do that. I got this email. Um, I just listened to your podcast with uh, Asa Akira. So Asa Akira, and I posted this on uh, on social media, but Asa Akira is a uh, very well-known porn star who uh, has a podcast on uh, Pornhub, and she interviewed me, and we had such a lovely time. Like, we had a, a one hour, just like sex education. She was asking me all kinds of questions and really, really enjoyed it. So this person is writing to me after that. Um, And it made me realize something really important about my ability to orgasm. I am amongst the 80% of women who can't orgasm without some kind of clitoral stimulation. My partner is the absolute greatest. He always wants to learn more about how to help me get to the finish line. But my only problem is whenever I use a vibrator or even just use my own hand to help me get myself off, his penis goes soft. I'm afraid that I might be turning him off or making him feel rejected when I try and get myself to orgasm. Um, you're, you could be very right there that he's somehow feeling inadequate or something or he starts to worry or he starts to get anxious or, or what have you. Maybe you he can listen to the podcast too and maybe he'll get a better understanding of what uh, women need. He has to know that it's not about him. You can try using the vibrator during uh, intercourse or there are even uh, vibrators or sex toys that are made for couples now, like the the WeVibe, for example, is a, a couple's vibrator. So it will offer the clitoral stimulation and also some stimulation internally. So that might be less threatening to him than uh, if it's just yourself. But my sense is he might feel like he's 
inadequate and you need to reassure him that this is how women are made like this is not this is not his fault in the least bit so have him listen let him get educated as well uh, hi, Dr. Lori. I've suffered from PE, premature ejaculation, all my life, like lasting less than a minute. By listening to your shows, I have heard a lot about low dosage SSRIs. Uh, those are uh, antidepressants. And me and my wife have great sex by using toys and lately with lidocaine sprays, but still the sprays don't always work and I would like to last longer. Do I need to see a urologist or would a general doctor be able to help me with this? With this? So the first, before taking medication, yes, you can try different things. So the exercises, and we've talked about the, the, the kinds of exercises, stop and start techniques over time that you can try. You can try a numbing spray, which is what you're talking about, the lidocaine spray. That may help. The only problem with that is it could cause some numbness in your partner um, as well, and maybe they, they don't work as well. So if you are a candidate for a low-dose, uh, the low-dose antidepressants or low-dose SSRI, you don't need to see a urologist. You could go to your general doctor. If, if I mean, PE is not treated by urologists. So erectile dysfunction would be because you would want to see what's causing the erectile dysfunction but premature ejaculation is not a there's nothing there's not a functional problem in the penis it's oftentimes we it's either a learned response coming too fast is learned or uh, we now know that it may have some neurological basis so for people where it's more neurological which is hard to tell one way or the other but if every nothing else has worked then you could assume you might be in that category then uh, taking these antidepressants in a very low dose not to treat depression but just to induce that side effect uh, can be very very helpful so yes uh, why don't you check with your doctor your family physician you may have to tell your physician about this because not all physicians are know about the sexual side of things there's uh, it's unfortunate but there's very they get very few classes if any on sexual dysfunctions and how to treat them and etc cetera, etc cetera. so you may have to kind of bring the research to them or, or let them know or tell them you heard it here or whatever and they can look it up and they'll find the studies though the studies are actually all out there uh, that look at the use of SSRIs to treat it that's it for the questions for uh, tonight. I want to thank all of you uh, for texting in and sending in all these questions. Now, you can send them in anytime. Just send them by email to lori at drlori.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E at D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com. And listen in at the beginning of every show where I uh, answer those questions for you. Thank you so much, uh, Chris Aiken, our technical producer tonight. You can also connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O is how you spell my last name. Our podcasts are up as well on the Dr. Lori website. So if you've missed some shows, they're listed there by topic, by date. Just go to the tab that says uh, Passion Radio and you will find all those podcasts there and then you can listen to them whenever, whenever you feel like it. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. 
Have a wonderful rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.